You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome to episode 55 of Distilling Theology. I'm Blake, and I'm joined by my co-host, Justin. Hey, man, it's been a minute since I've seen you. What's uh, what's going on? And I mean, literally a minute, because we both got up to get tea at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> indeed we did. Uh, I am well, man. It has been a very interesting, to say the least, mm. a very interesting um, several weeks. Yeah. 2021 truly is panning out to be season two of 2020. <laughs> It's exciting. Um, Otherwise, personally, I'm doing well. My family is happy and healthy. Uh, My son has got a little bit of a cold right now, but he is doing okay. And um, overall, pretty good. Good, man. Pretty good, man. How about you? That's good. You know, I'm, I'm not dead from COVID. I'm still very tired. But sure. that's somewhat to be expected. So not much I can do about that. But, you know, that, that does happen. Yeah. But moving along, um, coming back to the office, which has been like, it's been nice to get back and be around people again and like not be so isolated. So yeah, those are all good things. I'm a big fan for sure. Um, yeah, man. Looking forward to tonight's topic. Looking forward to like doing another uh, series of episodes here covering uh, a topic but before we get into that what are we sipping this evening uh i'm excited man this is a, a fun little a fun little box that we've got we we got when we were um hanging out last yeah uh as you can see here oh uh for those of you who are on patreon you can see this little box you open it up and we have some we have some stuff here Whoa. uh this is the compass box this particular one is the story of the spaniard um, it is a non-chill filtered uh, scotch bottled at 43% ABV. It has a natural color. It's blended malt scotch whiskey, of course. Uh, some of our favorites. Um, Blake, why don't you dive in and tell us a little bit more about this particular one. Sure. And then we can taste it. I am excited because it smells amazing. Oh, yeah. So it is distilled by the Compass Box Distillery. Um, and... They have been around for at least 20 years now, I believe. Um, And what they predominantly do is blended malts. So they will take, uh, or a blended malt is a combination of two or more single malt scotch whiskeys. So unlike blended scotch whiskey, blended malt scotch, uh, there's no grain allowed in. It's all malt barley. So there's no, um, sometimes you'll have blended scotches that incorporate grains, um, just to balance out the flavor, but blended single blended malt scotch, um, you don't get to do that. So you're still, you're still dealing with malt. It's just not a single grain from a single distillery, from a single growing season, single barrel, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. 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 
So pretty exciting. Um, on their website, they didn't have a ton of information about it, but they said that it is based around malt whiskeys aged in Spanish sherry and Spanish red wine casks, a full and sumptuous style. So I'm pretty excited to get into that. Sumptuous. Sumptuous. Sorry, the traffic on my street is going wild. By the way, if you are on Patreon, you can see that I I have uh, a studio now. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Uh, I don't just look like I'm sitting in a back room. Um, Yeah. We are are getting there a little bit at a time. Thanks to our patrons. Amen. We can actually make improvements like this. Yeah. And again, big thank you to all you guys that help support us. Um, I'm trying something out right now with a uh, camera for the webcam to improve the quality. So hopefully that's uh, worthwhile and, and exciting. Yeah, that's next on my list is some yeah, man. new camera action. Some new camera action. Yeah. So uh, what do you smell in this one? Yeah, boy. Let's take a sniff. So right out of the gate, obviously, this is a... a, a uh, my type of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very sherry, whiny. Uh, you got the multi sweetness. Mm. I mean, you have all the good things that you want in a, in a scotch. Right. Free of concerned. smoke. Yep. There's no smoke. Yeah. Definitely honey. Yeah. Dried fruit, candy, mm-hmm. a little touch of spice. There's a little bit of spice in there. Yeah. It's not overwhelming though. It almost, it's like, um, it's like a spiced honey candy with uh, orchard fruits and maybe a little bit of zest from from like a an orange. Wow, you have uh, it's so good. <laughs> you got me. You got me there. I don't really have too terribly much to add on the smell because you this yeah. Although so when we opened it up and I poured it in the glass, I poured mine a few seconds before you did, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a Justin whiskey. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. I can. I can. Yeah, this is my jam right here. This is right up my alley. Yeah, man. That um, there's something a little bit astringent, kind of in the middle, that that keeps it from becoming overly sweet. Um, Yeah, it's not like a rum sweetness. No, 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 no. It's definitely um, mellowed out. Very malty. Very fruity. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited, man. Pretty thrilled to get into it. So let's taste it and uh, jump right in. Cheers. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see your face watching me enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say watching your face as, as the sip hit in was uh, like priceless. Man, you got the a little bit oily, not not too much, but it's a little bit oily. You got the Yeah. Sort of like a dried I mean you got the orchard fruit, it's a little bit dry at the end. You got more of that candy sweetness. Um, there's a little bit more toffee in the in the taste than there is in the smell. Hmm. Um, maybe some apples, some honey. The spice is very subtle. Um, I I, I would yeah. even say that it's more on the nose than it is on the on the palate. Yeah, give that. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of dark. I mean, there could be some dark fruits in there. Yeah. Mm. It's a little bit roasty too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, only there's only an ever so slight hint of warmth yeah but it's not it's not a warm scotch at all mm-hmm. it's just ever so slightly warms you right at the end yeah yeah that's really good that's like a i could like just sit with that for a while 
I would be mm. very content with that without like, I could mix it with something. I could just sit and sip on it. Like that is, that's really good. Yeah. That's a very good, like medium body velvety, mm-hmm. just a really good balanced scotch. Yeah, man. It apparently retails for about $70 us. So for a bottle, that's, a, that's about where I would have yeah, put that. Sounds about right. Yeah. 60, 70 bucks. I, yeah, I mean, that's really, especially for blend. And I know I, so this is my first time tasting anything from compass box. I know among whiskey fans, a lot of people, they can divide opinions, but a lot of people I know really like compass box because they do interesting things. Um, This is really good. This is like, I'd put, I'd put this up against some single malts. Some of the, sometimes when we're recording, my scotches will last till the end of an episode. Mm-hmm. This ain't gonna last. <laughs> this is too good, man. This is. Oh yeah! Wow. I wish I had more of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man, that is uh, really refreshing my my taste buds and my palate, uh, and, and sanctifying and uh, getting ready for us as we jump into tonight's topic. But before we do that, uh, Justin, will you lead us in some prayer here from the Valley of Vision? as we do every week. Uh, no, we are not sponsored by Banner of Truth yet, but um, <laughs> yeah. although they did provide uh, graciously for us uh, the books from our last giveaway, yep. um, the Calvin's Institutes, the Christian Religion, and Truth for All Time. So we're very, very grateful for that uh, from Banner of Truth. Big shout out to them again. Indeed. If you guys have a value vision, which again, we will always recommend that you have one. Uh, if you don't yeah. have one, pick one up. Uh, you can get them obviously at Banner of Truth or over on Amazon, um, but please get one. It will it will truly impact and change your prayer life. Um, uh, utterly wonderful. But if you have one, turn to page fifty with us. We're going to be reading Spiritus Sanctus. O Holy Spirit, as the sun is full of light, the ocean full of water. Heaven full of glory, so may my heart be full of thee. Vain are all divine purposes of love and the redemption wrought by Jesus, except thou work within, regenerating by thy power, giving me eyes to see Jesus, showing me the realities of the unseen world. Give me thyself without measure, as an unimpaired fountain, as inexhaustible riches. I bewail my coldness, poverty, emptiness, imperfect vision, languid service, prayers, prayerless prayers, mm. praiseless praises. Suffer me not to grieve or resist thee. Come as power to expel every rebel lust, to reign supreme and keep me thine. Come as teacher, leading me into all truth, filling me with all understanding. Come as love that I may adore the Father and love him as my all. Come as joy to dwell in me, move in me, animate me. Come as light, illuminating the scripture, molding me in its laws. Come as sanctifier, body, soul, and spirit wholly thine. Come as helper, with strength to bless and keep directing my every step. Come as beautifier, bringing order out of confusion, loveliness out of chaos. Magnify to me thy glory by being magnified in me and make me redolent of thy fragrance. Amen. 
Mm. Man. Man, every time. Yeah. Every time. Oh. Well, <clears throat> I'm excited, mm. man. I'm excited about tonight. It's uh, It's been a while since we've really gotten to dive back yeah. into some systematic theology. Uh, we haven't really... We've touched on some pretty good stuff uh, over these past several weeks, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I'm excited to get back into it and get back into the nitty gritty. Uh, mm-hmm. Today we're gonna uh, travel uh, into the world <laughs> of pneumatology. Oh, what is that, Justin? Oh, what? that's a big well, word. We're gonna give we're gonna give a little bit of a, a an overview uh, before oh. we jump into some of the specifics in uh, in the future coming weeks. Oh man. Um, but uh, we're going to give you an overall and overarching idea of what it is uh, as we prepare for this particular subject. So pneumatology, what is it? Well, it's the study of the Holy Spirit, y'all. Mm. A very important part of Christianity is <laughs> yeah. the third person of the Trinity. Mm. Uh, fully God as well. Yeah. Uh, Blake, you look like you have things to say and I want to hear them. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I was just thinking as we start into this, right, before we get into more technical definitions, um, where does this word pneumatology come from, all of that, I want to start us off in the 14th chapter of John's gospel in verse 15, where Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we've referenced this before, but what I'm very interested in is what he says next. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, or uh, other translations translate that as advocate, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so in this initial starting point here, right, Jesus is telling his followers if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? If you are, if you have a love for me, then obedience is the outflow of that love. He doesn't say, prove your love for me by obedience. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then immediately in that context of <clears throat> obedience as a result of love, he says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper or the word in um, Greek is parakletos which doesn't appear all that often, but the definition uh, according to the Faith Life Study Bible, here I have Logos software pulled up, is one who acts on another's behalf as a helper, legal advocate, advisor, or intermediary. And so what we're not talking about, I've heard also, I think it's the King James calls it uh, the comforter. Um, mm-hmm. The RSV calls it the counselor, and a bunch of translations use the word advocate. Uh, I've heard this verse read out as comforter many times. And I've always thought, oh, that's nice. You know, the spirit's going to come and, and comfort me and console me. But that doesn't really grasp the term parakletos, yeah. uh, right? Yeah, that's only acting... a small portion of the actual <laughs> breadth of that term. Right. This idea of one who comes alongside, who comes to your defense, who's a helper, a legal advocate, an advisor, an intermediary. Um, I mean, you think about Romans 8, right? The spirit is interceding with these groanings, right? There's there's so much more going on than just gentle comfort. And so as we come into the topic of pneumatology or the, the theology surrounding the Holy Spirit, I want us to keep this in mind that I think so often today, people don't understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's what we're going to explore in this series. But I want us to start at this point, right? What does Jesus say? The son says, I'm going to ask the father and the father will send you another advocate, another comforter, another counselor, another yeah. helper. Well, yeah. who was the first one for record, right? right? right. <laughs> uh, Jesus <laughs> just, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but if there's another helper and that's the spirit, Jesus is the first helper or advocate. Um, and the spirit will be with you forever. And the world cannot receive him, which gets interesting into, you know, some of our soteriology and, um, you know, our Calvinistic theology about irresistible grace that like the spirit doesn't receive him because they don't see him or know him, but you know him because he dwells in you and will, or dwells with you and will be in you. So there's just, I just wanted us to start there. John uh, 14 verses 15 through 17 as the, the launching off point before we jump into anything too technical. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, again, it's, it's always good to start off sort of doxologically, right? Uh, coming to the word and being mm. prayerful um, sets the mood, man. Sets mm. the mood and uh, prepares, prepares our hearts, as it were. Yeah. So pneumatology, right? Pneuma uh, is the Greek for breath, uh, which metaphorically describes a non-material being or influence, etc. And the English word comes out of two Greek words, uh, which is irrelevant, really, in this case. Uh, but pneumatology would normally include the study of the person of the Holy Spirit, as we talked about, uh, in the works of the Holy Spirit, which you mentioned, because um, that's what we're going to be jumping into over these next few weeks. Um, that uh, second category, um, the works of the Holy Spirit, right? That's going to that's going to get a little um, uh, among amongst uh, those who are listening. Um, that might get controversial. It shouldn't, mm. but it it may. Um, yeah. Because we're going to cover things like, um, obviously, new birth, right, uh, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but also spiritual gifts, uh, uh, or, or or like charismania, like uh, like yeah. um, good old uh, MacArthur likes to call it, uh, baptism, sanctification, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, that can mean a lot of things depending on who you talk to. Looking at mm. you, Pentecostals. Uh, <laughs> um, and then obviously the, the prophets and the indwelling of the Holy spirit when we, uh, become Christians and so on. Um, and so there's, uh, there's a historical reformed view, um, on what this looks like. And then there are views, uh, that are a bit different, which have come up and cropped up over the years, which I think are important to address. Uh, many, um, many people believe, uh, different things about what the Holy spirit does, um, some of which are uh, heterodoxical, in other words, um, erroneous, but not necessarily putting them outside of the body of Christ. And then obviously there are some pretty right. intense heresies, uh, which we should address as well at some point. Yeah. Um, well, and so also yeah. at some point we should talk about, not tonight, but at some point, just to entice people a little bit, talk about the... Um, the un the unpardonable sin blasphemy of the holy spirit and some of the yes. views on that because that's something that i know for me as a christian that terrified me and i was like oh yeah Am i gonna accidentally you know blaspheme the spirit and i think i've heard enough enough solid biblical exegesis on that passage in the context that i think i i feel comfortable sharing some of those views down the line that that have spoken to me and frankly have rather than than make me fearful have made me so much more encouraged and comforted by the personal work of the spirit yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> as we continue, <laughs> uh, it often helps to look at church history as well. 
uh, and see how the church has addressed this over the centuries. Um, and primarily there are four, I think, critical discussions that have served uh, to sort of move that discussion forward throughout time, uh, throughout history, dealing with heretics and uh, heresies that have risen up and things like that. Um, you got the patristic, the patristic period, the medieval period. You have sort of the Reformation and Counter-Reformation era. Um, uh, thanks, Luther. And then uh, you have the contemporary era, uh, the modern time that we um, obviously are, are currently currently in. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, well, let's look at those. I'll I'll hit the patristic period, I guess, here. So yeah. it's just a summary we got here. Um, in the patristic period, the early church engaged in a debate over the divinity of the Holy Spirit with Arius asserting that the son is a creature or angel and Athanasius counting, countering that the son possesses divine attributes such as immutability, transcendence, ability to sanctify, involvement in creation. Although the debate was not pneumatological in nature, it led to a very similar debate between the Pneumatomachians and the Cappadocian fathers, talking about, um, you know, you have the controversy over the deity of the son, and then that subsequently led to this controversy between the Pneumatomachians and the Cappadocian fathers over um, the right place of like, what, what do we do with the spirit in scripture? Because we see the spirit in scripture. So we have to address, we have to have a doctrine that can encompass the teaching of scripture on the person and work of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's important. And I, I love your uh, ability to just pronunciate things. Uh, oh, I definitely uh, stole that off of listening. It's because I listened to enough other theology podcasts that oh, I yeah. hear these terms because yeah. I definitely looked at that and I was like, uh, oh, it's that one. That's what it looks like in print. <laughs> for, uh, also, for the record, just just so credit where credit's due, a lot of this information is available at SemperReformanda.com. Um, you can go there and, and access a whole ton of information on mm. uh, Reformed um, theological. It's it's Presbyterian. Um just FYI, Baptist bros. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Don't give me them presby eyes. Um, so moving on, we also move into the medieval period, uh, in which case a, uh, a debate started to ensue regarding the relationship between Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, the Eastern Church, uh, as uh, seen in the original Nicene Creed, uh, asserted that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father alone. Um, and then Augustine, uh, and the medieval ch Catholic church, um, which that's a whole nother history that we'll have to touch on sometime as the Catholic <laughs> church, uh, added the, uh, filioque clause to the creed, uh, which is, uh, what we see in like the apostles creed or, or whatever going forward that, uh, he proceeds, the Holy spirit proceeds from the father and the son. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that, that is an important distinction to make, uh, when understanding, I guess the relationship within the Trinity, right. Um, mm. Something that is uh, is important to, to study and figure out where you land on that issue, For or sure. rather, where the Bible lands and where you should submit. Right. That's what I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> clarify that a little bit there. That was good. Um, I wanted to borrow a little bit from Bavink here in the Wonderful Works of God. This is uh, from Chapter 19, the Gift of the Holy Spirit. First page, really. Here he says, the first work which Christ does after his exaltation to the right hand of the Father is to send out the Holy Spirit. At his exaltation, he himself accepted from the Father uh, the promised Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and therefore he can now, as promised, 
as he promised his disciples he would, share it with his disciples, Acts 2, 33. The spirit he gives proceeds from the Father, is given him by the Father, and thereupon is given unto the church. Uh, the sending of the spirit, which took place in the day of Pentecost, is a unique event in the history of the church of Christ. Um, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves here, but I love that. I'm just going to keep going at Bavik for a hot second here. Uh, just as the creation and the incarnation, it took place but once. This is talking about the outpouring at Pentecost. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not preceded by any granting of the spirit equal to it in importance, and none has ever followed it. Uh, anyways, so there's just a little bit from Bavink there about this, like the spirit being giving the father, giving the son, the spirit, the father proceeding from the father proceeding from the son. Um, and yeah, that's a whole, like we're glossing over a huge swath of church history just because we don't have the time or the uh, scholarship behind us at this moment to like dive too hard into that right now. But that could be a whole episode right there of like that clause. <laughs> We oh, should get absolutely. on somebody like uh, like Tony from Reformed Brotherhood or somebody else who has a little bit more of a historical theology bent. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, naturally, we move into the contemporary era right now. Wait, what about uh, the Reformation, Justin? What? The forgotten Reformation. Oh, yeah, we forgot. <laughs> hey, I'm jumping ahead of my own notes here. Oh. Uh, the Reformation era, uh, and also the Counter-Reformation era, because I mean, I mean uh, bear in mind they were battling it out, as it yeah. were. Never uh, send a Baptist time. to do a Presbyterian's job. <laughs> <laughs> Never send a Presbyterian to preach. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we got the Prince of Preachers, bro. Oh. No, um, just kidding. Uh, so during that particular era, uh, really is when um, obviously Martin Luther. And then uh, following thereafter, John Calvin, uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, but they're laying out a lot of uh, systematic theology at that time uh, for mm -hmm. the lay people. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, obviously they were looking at the, the relationship between the scriptures uh, and the Holy Spirit and how that works with the, the believer, right? Uh, the spirit obviously empowering us to read the scriptures in and of ourselves. We don't need the church, the Catholic church, to be yeah. reading it to us and interpreting it for us. Um that's a big deal, right? The, the spirit has, as Kelvin said, uh, interpretive authority to illuminate the scriptures to the believer. Now that is, that is, I mean, considering the time that was like life changing. I mean, oh, this yeah. idea that, that the spirit could indwell the whole, the, the, the believer and actually give you the ability to understand and see the scriptures as they are. Um, mm -hmm. That was a big deal. And then obviously you had the counter reformation theologians responding, saying that the church has to serve as the authoritative interpreter, um, which led to all kinds of things. I mean, um, think of some of the martyrs, right? Wycliffe dying and, uh, because he's translating the Bible into English and yeah. all kinds of stuff uh, as time goes on. So um, yeah, big, big deal there. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And it serves to mention that that whole concept, like there's a, I think that does not disregard a high view of the church as an ecclesiastical body of Christ. And uh, it does not, it does not. So that, that reformation view of the scriptures interpret or the, the spirit's interpretive authority to illumine the scripture to the individual believer doesn't negate the need for the fellowship of Christians in the present era and in all time, right? Like we are, we aren't in isolation. Uh, and we could talk about that more if we, we dive into some episodes on historical theology and kind of like how the church has refined doctrine and sharpened, and uh, 
how you do have some splinters that go off into weird places. Like when people start saying, well, God told me like if a, a really good clue is if somebody says something that blatantly contradicts scripture and they're like, well, the spirit told me like, well, what spirit? <laughs> yeah, We should probably put the spirits to the test there. Um, and that's a real danger today in the contemporary era. If you want to, you want to hit that a little bit for us. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously the contemporary time being now, uh, we understand a distinctive relationship between the spirit and the church community. Um, and then there's all kinds of various uh, contemporary theologians granting the spirit all kinds of authority. Um, honestly, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. uh, you know, but governing the church, liberating oppressed communities, uh, creating experiences associated with faith. Um Again, it's it's typically associated with the Pentecostal movement, um, which I, I think we should also recognize that there is a differentiation between the Pentecostals and just charismatics in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can be theologically reasonable and be charismatic. You, I think the Pentecostal movement kind of goes off the deep end um, yeah. in most cases that I've yeah. seen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll, you have like the oneness Pentecostals, which is a b- big problem, <laughs> big, yeah. deal. big, 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 no, no. Uh, and then you have um, churches that consider themselves Pentecostal, but really they're just um, credo Baptist charismatic people. Uh, yeah. You know, so it, terms matter. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, so defining your church, really, it's one of those church by church bases. Honestly, if you're looking for a church, just find a nice reformed church. But, um, <laughs> uh, but that being said, it's important to to recognize these things because as we approach church now, like trying to mm-hmm. find a church, for example, or as we're engaging with uh, brothers and sisters who or people who call themselves Christians in general, um, it's important when they say I'm a Christian to understand what they mean. And a lot of times, what they believe about the Spirit comes up, and that can be a pretty big indicator of where they actually fall theologically, um, yeah. whether it's sound or not. Uh, you know, you have. You have uh, churches uh, like Bethel who just attribute everything. I mean, it's they take the spirit and they just straight up abuse, abuse, uh, abuse it entirely. Oh yeah, uh, it's 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 yeah. deeply deeply disheartening. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I think that's I think in many ways it's contributed to the to the particular condition of the Western Church as it is right now. Oh yeah, well I think as we as we get into that, right. The world today, largely Christianity is mocked. And again, I'm not saying that if we're, you know, perfectly doctrinally orthodox, we're not going to be mocked. Like, no, we will be. Um, But oftentimes I find people find out I'm a Christian and they assume that means that I'm a fideist. That is that I just like a blind faith, right. That I don't have any intellectual view of what I believe or reason for what I believe, which isn't true. Uh, Or they believe that I don't believe in modern medicine or that I like just all these weird things. Cause there are, there are circles of Christendom in the contemporary world who would say, well, we have authority in the spirit over diseases and, and physical ailments. So if you go to a doctor, when you have a fever 
uh, then you're blaspheming the spirit. And I've heard people say this kind of thing. I've seen it firsthand, man. Yeah. And it's really, really dangerous and damaging because what you're doing is denying what uh, in reformed theology and in, and in other theologies too, uh, in, in other like post-reformation theologies, even if they're more Arminian soteriologically, you are denying a doctrine that holds to natural revelation and common yeah. grace, right? I would I can sit here very comfortably and say, that like the polio vaccine is a common grace, right? Like that's a wonderful thing. The fact that for the most part in the modern world, leprosy is not a thing anymore is a common grace. Amen. We should be very grateful for that. Uh, and that does not deny supernatural workings. That's often how it's pitted. You, you Actually, this is kind of interesting. It gets to some of the theonomic, uh, like autonomy versus theonomy, right? Like it's like you, you force this dichotomy of terms that really, there's other options that exist between those two. You aren't just left to theonomy or autonomy. There are other things that you can do, and you know that very well. And, and in this, you're often pitted as either you're just a naturalistic who naturalistic person who totally denies the spirit and deny and is blaspheming the spirit in the process if you call yourself a Christian, or you are embracing a whole host of spiritualism and fideism that is much more akin to pagan views of spirits than anything that we see in the Christian scriptures. I don't know how you think about that. That's kind of where my mind went. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, th there's nuance to everything, right? We, we need to be uh, more biblical in how we approach um, a subject like this because the scripture speaks a lot about the work of the spirit. Um, and it's very easy to, in places where it might not be as clear as we hope, read in our own ideologies like we do with like we do with our soteriology and other things too mm -hmm. um but the spirit's one of those things where the spirit has unique power in us right uh in a, in a way that he empowers us to do things we are unable to do in and of ourselves like love god um, amen that if you're looking for a miracle mm -hmm. uh, uh if you're looking for a true tried and true miracle yeah. the fact that any of us love god at all is a yeah. miracle that is more miraculous than raising someone from the dead because mm -hmm. that is raising someone from the dead i mean that is true taking taking a, a dead uh sinner <laughs> and raising them from the dead and, and enabling them to love love the father uh is is truly miraculous and so you know miracle chasing is not something you should do <laughs> that's oh, yeah. another thing you know uh, as as you investigate um, the scriptures regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, bear in mind that our God is a God of order. He is a God of logic. He is a God of uh, uh, clarity. And so, um, as as you as you approach the subject, bear those things in mind. Knowing oh, yeah. who God is matters, and that'll change how you read uh, the character of God. Well, and also you have, I wanted to, to hop over here. Speaking of signs and wonders, um, I'm just going to jump into the middle of this parable of the rich man and Lazarus in mm. Luke chapter 16. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm like, I'm just jumping way in there. So guys, go Solid read Luke day. 16. Uh, but at the end of this, which is what I want to get to, um, and this is verse 29 of Luke 16. But Abraham said, speaking of these people, uh, that, that this rich man, that he's like asking, uh, you know, to, uh, 
he's asking, you know, oh, please go and go and speak to my family. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, they have the word of God. Mm-hmm. Your brothers and these people in your household, they have the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. And today, in a, you know, post Pentecost, we have the, the witness of the apostles as well, which are just New Testament prophets, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get into that next week. Um, yeah. Let them hear them, right? But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And this next line in Jesus' parable here is so damning, literally, that we would do very well to listen to this, especially when we hear people like Benny Hinn and in people in this very extreme word of faith Pentecostal movement, which again, not all Pentecostals are word of faith and into this crazy like health, wealth, prosperity gospel. But it's part and parcel of that theology to have these kind of like, well, if you're not, if your ministry isn't marked by signs and wonders, then you're not a real minister of the word of God. And to that, this is what, this is what Jesus tells us in this parable. And he, that's Abraham in the parable said to, said to him, the rich man, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So think about that. Because we all talk about this, right? Well, well, if there's miracles, if there's this and that, people will believe. That immediately makes me think of a story that I overheard. Good old Bill Johnson, uh, who I have no problem calling a heretic, uh, straight up sitting. He's telling a story about how he's sitting on a plane. And while he's sitting on the plane, he's he's talking to the, to the um, stewardess. And gold feathers just start falling into his lap. And people were saved. And I thought, no mention of the gospel, no mention of repentance or sin, no mention of any reason that anyone would be saved. Yeah. Just fancy miracles, showboat miracles, right? Um, yeah. It drives me nuts. Well, and remember, right? In Egypt, Moses did signs and wonders and Pharaoh's sorcerers did signs and wonders. Yeah. Like signs and wonders... So, so, and we'll get into this next week when we talk about um, some, uh, some spiciness that people get into, but signs and wonders in and of themselves, like they have a place theologically. We have a category for the Mm -hmm. term miracle. That's very specific and narrow for theological reason. When we talk about pneumatology, Yes, but signs and wonders in and of themselves don't save people, right? Mm -hmm. What is it? The, the gospel, the good news, right? The good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation, right? God has chosen that by the foolishness of preaching, men should be saved. That it is by the foolishness of a man getting up on the Lord's day and standing in front of the people of God with an open old book and reading it aloud and, and expounding the meaning and sharing the story of, of the son who came, who who lived the perfect life, who suffered and died, who raised again and ascended and is coming back, that in the foolishness of sharing that, that the world does think is foolish. I mean, just listen to the rhetoric against Christians today in the West. They think it's insanity. They think it's foolishness. And of course they do, because when you're dead in sin, you can't see this light until Precisely. the spirit illumines, right? And so it's important to, when we're talking about the works of the spirit, so often in our 21st century Western mindset, the spirit's work is relegated to signs and wonders and miracles as though the spirit doesn't do anything else. 
And uh, I have a passage pulled up, but I wanted to know if you had any other thoughts before we jump into that. No, I, I think it's it's too often we treat the Holy Spirit like some sort of vending machine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to be healed. I want this. I want that. Um, and we just expect the Spirit to do what we want. Right. Um, and that's just not, it's just not at all how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we think, we think God is going to bend to our will, mm-hmm. but we think it's somehow better if we think that that's the way that we work with the spirit rather than the, the father or the yep. son, Yep. <laughs> which is really bad theology proper, but anyway, yeah. But anyway, to, go ahead to what the spirit does a little bit, and we'll come back to this, I'm sure, in the next two weeks. But Galatians chapter five, um, starting in verse 16, Paul admonishes the Galatian believers, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will raise people from the dead and have gold dust flying. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I just like, it chills thinking about that. Mm -hmm. The power for being obedient, for fulfilling what Jesus was saying in the gospel of John in 14, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. It's right here, right? Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, and this goes back to our uh, homardiology or sin episode. The flesh isn't just talking about the physical stuff. It's the human condition. It's our sin nature. For these are opposed to each other, he goes on, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. This is going to trigger everyone, myself included. <laughs> Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. (laughs) Paul's like, this isn't a long list. Yeah, this is just the beginning. (laughs) Stuff like this. Like, you get the point. Yeah. And he goes on, I warn you, as I warned you before. It's always a little bit scary when a pastor says that. (laughs) (laughs) that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This echoes first Corinthians chapter six, right? And Paul says in in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit, and he doesn't go on to say a bunch of signs and wonders. That's right. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another. So, (laughs) those are some thoughts on new mythology from uh you know the spirit inspired writings of the apostle paul we could really dive into to the to the confessions but that would take forever i mean just in the (laughs) baptist alone we have at least 20 mentions of the holy spirit you know uh, talking about the holy spirit making you willing and able to believe Mm. um the holy spirit uh for example in the womb of the virgin mary right uh 
consider that, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she was, uh, she got Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, we have, we have, we have talks of uh, sanctification and anointing of the Holy Spirit um, being renewed and quickened by the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, yeah. the, the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our workings. I mean, you, you can go on and on and on and on and on. The, you know, the yeah, Spirit man. illuminating the scriptures and making things sensible to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we could we could talk about this for a while, but um, that's what we have future episodes for. <laughs> oh, shoot. That transition. Uh, what? Uh, so, yeah, hopefully next week we will dive in uh, some more. Um, I know one topic that we definitely want to cover uh, is the topic of cessationism (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, the idea that uh, certain gifts of the holy spirit uh, have ceased it's in the name cessationist Um, so we'll definitely cover that uh, among other things which is exciting but that's just a little teaser because i know a lot of you reformed tm boys uh, have a lot of opinions on uh, on that which is awesome Um, so yeah it'll be fun so tune in next week Oh shoot! <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be tasting uh, a interesting liqueur that I discovered at the Speakeasy Five One Eight when I was working there called Cronin Swedish Punch. Uh, we use that as a mixer a few times, so I'm excited to get into that. Um, if you guys want to get updates on the podcast, be sure to follow us at Facebook.com/slash/DistillingTheology. Check out our Instagram, Instagram.com/slash/DistillingTheology. If you want to get some nice photos of books, whiskey, distilled spirits. Uh, the scriptures. Um, now we got some photos of our cool merch and all that jazz. It's been a blast. Uh, be sure to join our Facebook group. Look up Distilling Theology. We got over 610 members. And someone today was just saying that of all the reformed Facebook groups he's in, Distilling Theology is far and away his favorite. So that is not one of our quotes. That is a, a tr- an actual said member. it's the best and that is objective yeah. truth to me. It is. <laughs> it's his truth, Justin. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey thou. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guys, also, don't forget, we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Uh, If you would like your ears to be continually filled with uh, doctrinally sound, biblical, uh, entertaining, and uh, professional-sounding podcasts from a Reformed perspective, go to reformedpodcasts.com. You will hear podcasts from this incredible list of uh, biblical Avengers, <laughs> uh, such as the Assurance of Pardon, the Bobcast, Christ in Context, dun, 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 Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, which is a new show, uh, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, Seeker Start, Sipping on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. Head on over there. You will have a never-ending stream for all of your commutes, trips, family gatherings, uh, musings, for really whatever you want. Just uh, it's never a bad thing to have doctrine being given to you uh, really as easily as you can possibly receive it. <laughs> well said. Also, guys, head over to shopdistillingtheology.com. Uh, we've got some of our new merch, our hoodies, some shirts, some hats, some other miscellaneous things. We've got our Covenant Theology is Distilled Theology mug, our Herman Bobbing quote mugs, and there is more in the pipeline, so stay tuned 
for that. And if you want to see our mugs, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash distilling theology, where it's for $4.99 per month. You can join us, help support us, help make this show a possibility. Uh, you can get discounts in the Distilling Theology store. You get exclusive extended conversations. Early release episodes usually stream uh, when we record about a week in advance. You get extra bonus content. If you join us at that $14.99 per month level, you'll get an exclusive patron-only mug after three months, plus some extra content we have in the pipeline. As uh, Justin and I spent about an hour today planning out some content for the next couple of months, so stay yeah, tuned for that. Also, if you guys uh, are so inclined, if, if you've been blessed by this podcast, please head over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. It helps us out, helps other people discover uh, the adventure that is distilling theology <laughs> and uh, all the jazz. So we've had some great reviews over there, so we'd appreciate it. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please drop us a review. It means a lot to us. So anyways, indeed, that's it, man. That's all I got. Well, Blake, in that case, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria.